You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. Well, if you listen to Packernet After Dark, you know that today we're going to do something a little bit different, although this is probably going to be somewhat normal. Um, for the sake of getting through the calls, um, but not playing old calls after the game, because after the game, everybody wants to talk about the game. And so going backwards and talking about cupcakes and nonsense because everybody's bored because it's been a week since the last game, nobody wants to do that, and I don't want to skip calls. So this is sort of a remedy. However, still a regular uh, regular episode, so we do want to do a little bit of news and notes and kind of run through that, and then I'm going to do my best to get caught up, um, although I can't promise that either. So uh, very, very quickly, just looking at some of the other games of interest um, somebody had mentioned this is one of the best weeks of football. Yeah, I guess. I mean, there are a good amount of, uh, rivalries. Patriots, Bills, Washington, New York, Bears, Packers. You got Eagles, Titans, which isn't really a rivalry, but obviously the records and whatnot. Seattle, LA. But as far as interesting storylines, um, I believe the Packers are going to win the game as I've said. If the Packers lose, however, just so we're clear, we currently have the eighth overall pick. Now, because of our strength of schedule, pretty much everybody with the same record as us is going to draft before us. So Arizona, uh, New Orleans, which would be Philadelphia's pick, and Carolina, they have the same record as us, but they're going to pick before us. So Carolina actually has the same record as us, which is insane to say. They get the fifth overall pick. Now, again, if we lose, Carolina is not playing this week. But because we lose one more game, we automatically jump in front of them. Arizona, not playing this week. There's only two teams not playing, and two out of the three teams with the same record as, as us are not playing also. Um, the Saints are playing the Bucks. Very possibly, the Saints could win that game. Now, that's Monday night, but still. Um, the other one would be the uh, Detroit Lions pick, which is owned by the Rams. The Rams are playing the Seahawks. It's unlikely they win, but we'll see. Seattle has the third pick, which is incredible. They got it from Denver. Denver's playing the Ravens. I don't expect Denver to win. But then, of course, you have Chicago. Chicago is one game behind us. However, if we're talking about losing, then we would end up having the same record. Then finally, there's Houston, who's playing the Cleveland Browns. They're um, multiple games behind us. But the fact that the number two pick, which is currently owned by the Bears, is just one game back is really, really remarkable and shows how close we genuinely are to a very high pick. On the other side of things, um, as far as running the table or whatever, look, that's that's the only thing that really matters. I mean, there there are other things, clearly, but that's that's the number one priority. We're so far away from being able to clinch that I would just focus on, let's just win. All right, let's just focus on winning these games, and then we'll worry about what all else needs to happen. So as a result, I, I don't really care too much about the other games. I want the Vikings to lose because it's the Vikings, and really they don't have any uh, they don't have any impact on us other than just being the Vikings, so we can just hate them constantly no matter what. 
Uh, also, if they win this week, they they clinch the division. So we don't really. I mean, it's going to happen anyways. But if we could prolong it, just so we can laugh at them and say, "Dude, you suck. You should have had that a long time ago." That would be great. And then Lions, Jaguars, same thing. I mean, we're we're kind of getting into. I mean, yeah. If you want, if you want to make sure we get a high pick. You're probably rooting for the. Well, I don't know. The bottom line is we're kind of getting into the territory of looking into the future, and that doesn't just mean the Packers. That also means the Lions, that means the Vikings, that means the Bears. The fact that I went through yesterday the entire Bears roster and showed you this is a terrible team with a long way to go, that's important because they can't just recover all. I mean, I shouldn't say can't, but it's really hard to build an entire roster from the ground up in one year. To some effect, I want that to be true of the Lions not to some effect, to, to a lot of effect, even if that means they get a higher pick than us. Because look, they've, they've been in this rebuild thing for a couple of years now. They can't even claw themselves up to a, to a 500-ish season. I know you can't get to 500 anymore, but you get what I'm saying. Eight-ish, nine-ish wins. Then, then this is too slow of a process. It really is. Because you're going to purge players faster than you're acquiring them at this pace. And then Minnesota, I mean, it's just, I think more for them, it's about just wanting them to fail this season. They're not built for the future. That's not to say they don't have some good pieces, because they do. They've got some seriously good young pieces. They're tackled, they're wide receiver, whatever. But when quarterback is a big question mark, and and a lot of your defense is built on veterans that are not going to be there for a while, Patrick Peterson, Zadarius Smith, their defensive line, their safety, we're kind of just waiting out the Vikings. That's it. Vikings, unfortunately, are the new Packers. They're the best in the division, but we just need them to fail and then eventually wait for them to lose all their key pieces and fall apart before they go on and win a stupid Super Bowl. All right, moving on to news and notes. There's two major things that have happened. Um, number one, David Bakhtiari is officially out of this game, which obviously sucks. However, um, for those of us who have been very interested in looking to the future, the assumption is Zach Tom should be coming in and playing. Now, what exactly that means in terms of who plays where and how and when, um, we don't officially know. Seems to me, just poking around the internets, most people seem to think Zach Tom is going to be the lock left tackle. Um, I think most of us would like to see that. Again, for a lot of us, this is about seeing the future and seeing what we have and also giving them opportunities. If we think Zach Tom can be that guy, we want Zach Tom to be that guy. However, the Packers are still in win-now mode, which is to say they're going to do what they think is best to beat the Chicago Bears. The reason I bring that up is the first thing I want to look at is where guys have been. And Yash Nyman does have more experience at left tackle than Zach Tom does, including this year. Zach Tom has more left guard experience. Now, the thing is, though, Zach Tom was at left tackle most recently, and he also did a pretty good job via PFF. uh, Zach Tom, the last time he played was week nine. He played left tackle. The week before week eight, he was at left guard. So I don't know if this is a mix and match thing or what. Um, But he had a 72.8 grade, 62.9 run blocking, and an 83.3 pass blocking grade. And you say, well, that was against Detroit. True, but I would probably take Aiden Hutchinson over anybody the Chicago Bears have. Also, to be clear, in Week 9, he didn't just play left tackle. He played left tackle and right guard. So he played tackle and guard Week 9. Week 8, he played guard. Week 7, he played left tackle. And then Week 1, he played guard. So it was guard, tackle, guard, and then tackle and guard. 
and I can't parse out how much of his really good grade was tackle compared to guard, although, you know, 75-ish percent of his snaps did come at left tackle. The other thing that's important is is cohesion. If they're really nervous, they may reshuffle the line, put Yash back at um, tackle, or just kick Elton to left tackle now that he's back, mix things up that way, and say, well, he was a left guard in week nine. When Zach Tom was a tackle, why would they do that? Well, a couple things. Number one, I don't know that that was necessarily planned from day one. Now that they have time to look at it, plus Elton Jenkins has had more time, plus Elton Jenkins has been improving, maybe they want to give him another shot at tackle. Uh, listen, I'm 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 leaning towards that. They're probably what what I think does make the most sense for every reason is just drop Zach Tom in at left tackle. That way, you don't have to mess with anything. El, El, you know, everybody just stays where they are. Everything is is cohesive. Zach Tom has proven he can do it. Just let him play the position. Keep everybody else where it is. Keep the cohesion going. Plus, we get to evaluate Zach Tom. We get him more experience. Like it's a perfect situation. I'm just saying, there are possibilities of other things happening. Again, Yash has more experience, and also th- this could be an opportunity to give Elton Jenkins a shot at kicking back outside if they want to do that. Now, I don't know if they want to do that or not. Honestly, if I'm if I'm Gutekunst, and I, I know Gutekunst probably doesn't necessarily have control over this, this is going to be a Matt LaFleur decision, but from a personnel standpoint, not only do I am I looking at it saying, hey, if Elton Jenkins is a great guard, that's cool, but we got to get the tackle thing figured out. So it's more important Elton play tackle if he can play tackle unless Zach Tom can be that dude. So let's find out if Zach Tom can be that dude, because then if I don't have to pay Elton Jenkins ridiculous tackle money, and listen, I'll, I'll pay it if he's the guy. That's great. But if he's a guard, top guard money and top tackle money are a completely different category. And I know Elton can be a good football player, but if he's going to be kind of this iffy, wishy-washy, I, I don't want to see a situation where we break the bank to put, put Elton Jenkins as the future left tackle of this franchise, and he ends up falling off like he has this year. We're talking long-term, big-time contracts. At the same time, we, we're just we're paying Jair. We got to pay Rashawn. We got all these big contracts going on. Um, I want to be sure if we're going to break the bank again that it's it's for real. Because quite honestly, I'm tired of paying guys and they're not performing. I mean, it's not David Bakhtiari's fault, but we broke the bank and he broke his knee. We pay Kenny Clark and he falls off a cliff. We play, pay Rashawn Gary, uh, we pay Jair and he, he doesn't perform. We're paying all these top guys, top guy money for being top guys and then they don't perform. We played, uh, we paid uh, Razul. He fell off a cliff. Not top money, but we paid him big money considering who he is. We paid Devondre Campbell because he was the number one linebacker in football. He didn't show up. We're paying a lot of money to guys that are not putting the, the, the effort out to earn those contracts. And all I'm saying is, if Elton Jenkins is showing his hand right now that that maybe what we saw in Elton wasn't for real, then let's take it seriously. And let's not give him a big contract that's going to lock us in to four years at, at massive amounts of money. And then what, we, we leave him at tackle because we paid him at tackle? Or do we take our tackle and kick him inside with big-time tackle money? And he's the highest-paid guard in, in the NFL by a, by a friggin' mile. Point is, just like I've been saying with Jordan Love, we got to see what we got in Zach Tom because that is such a key piece if he can play tackle. So let's do it. On the other hand, I don't know. So be prepared for whatever. The other bit of news is that Micah Abernathy and Patrick Taylor have been elevated for this game. We're getting a little thin at safety with the injuries, uh, including Darnell Savage. So Abernathy is going to be coming up. Not entirely sure what the uh, running back situation situation is about. 
You do have Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon on the injury report. As far as I can tell, nothing very serious, but maybe it's a little bit more serious than we thought. I don't know. A.J. Dillon quad injury, uh, Aaron Jones shin and glute injury. Maybe it's just a precaution based on those things. Uh, Maybe it's a special teams thing. I have no idea. But um, as far as the final injury report, David Bakhtiari's out. Savage is doubtful. Devondre Campbell and Romeo Dobbs both questionable, so big time fingers crossed on those. For the Bears, Larry Borum, Jaquan Brisker are officially out. Uh, Trevor Simeon is also out, and then Riley Reef and Kendall Vildor are questionable. Uh, Kyler Gordon, the cornerback, also out. So we're not going to go through the uh, importance of those players again. We did that all yesterday, so uh, I think that's it. Let me just double-check the old Twitter machine. Um, one of the benefits of doing this a little bit later is I can hopefully get the latest and greatest news and information. Um, fortunately, the, the, honestly, the biggest component to this entire game, we still don't have an answer on, and that's Justin Fields. Um, as much as I talk trash about Fields in general, their biggest chance of beating the Packers is Justin Fields. And that, and that would be him just running for 500 yards and breaking every record (laughs) that's ever been held by a, a rushing quarterback. And honestly, I wouldn't even bother throwing. What's the point? Just run. We can't stop you. You can only stop yourself, and you can do that by throwing the ball. But uh, no answers on that. So if something comes up, I will interrupt the show, and we will start uh, talking about that. However, I do need to start turning our attention to the calls, so why don't we go ahead and do that. If, by the way, you want to call in, 608 is the number to call. We'll start off with Zach from Buffalo. Hey, buddy. Zach up in Buffalo again. What's up? So I got, I want to touch on three players that um, I want to get your opinion on, you know, as an expert panelist, such oh, yeah. as yourself. I want to hear what you have to say about these three guys. I am the expert in my own opinion, as Dave Ramsey says. So I want to start off with A.J. Dillon, um, and I'm probably wrong. I, I'm normally a stats guy, but I haven't looked much into it. Seems like he's had uh, kind of a low snap count this year. Again, I'm probably wrong on that but it seems like the bulk of the carries are going to A.J. Dillon, or sorry, are going to Aaron Jones. And I can understand that because, you know, as of right now, this season, he's probably our best player on the team. But like I said, just low snap count, low impact. Do you think that the knee injury he sustained um, has cut his potential down? Um, maybe that's maybe that's what's going on. Second player. So a couple things. Low snap count, yes. Low snap count compared to Aaron Jones, not necessarily. Um, 155 attempts for Jones, 125 for Dylan. So it's not that massively different. Um, that's rushing attempts, snap counts, 183 compared to 153. So we're talking about 30 snaps either way. Uh, you know, I, and, and all things considered as the number two back, that's, that's pretty close to being that whole one, a one B thing. Now, in terms of production, Aaron Jones certainly has done better. 5.3 yards per, uh, per attempt compared to 4.3. They both have two touchdowns. Aaron Jones also three fumbles compared to Dylan's two. Um, as far as his injury, I, I really don't know. My biggest issue with A.J. Dillon is not trusting his blockers, which is important for him. It really is because, you know, a lot of times the blocks aren't super pretty. And what he'll do is he'll bounce to the outside because, you know, it kind of looks like that's closing. And, ooh, I, I see green grass. He gets allured by the, the opening of, of green grass. The problem is it closes instantly. And as strong as he is, you can't run through three defenders coming downhill. We're talking defensive linemen. We're talking linebackers. I mean, these are big boys. I know Dylan's got big thighs, but 312-pound defensive tackles are just going to rip his head off. 
And when you follow your blocks, and sometimes there's just nothing there, I get that. And understanding when to ad lib and when not to, which Aaron Jones is a master of, is going to be key. But even an ugly block, that's where your power comes in. Because now we're talking about defensive linemen trying to make one-arm tackles. Because even if they're kind of beating their guy, the only thing they're going to be able to do with an offensive lineman in their chest is reach out with one arm. And those are the things you're going to be able to break through and turn, you know, maybe you can't break for a big gain, but not everything's going to be a big gain. If you can take that two-yard tackle or two-yard gain and use those powerful legs to push it for a five-yard gain, you have made yourself useful. Now, with that also said, he's also facing more stacked boxes. I, I've, having gone back and watched, it's amazing to me how little there is for him to actually do compared to Aaron Jones. I don't know if it's just the way the defense is playing them or the situations we put A.J. Dillon in or what, what that's all about, but the amount of stack boxes, the amount of times there's just no good blocking in front of them for whatever reason, whether that's, again, the stack boxes making it harder or what, it just seems like he's had a lot of bad luck. So factor in the bad luck, the, if we're going to call it that, the the disadvantageous situations as compared to Aaron Jones and also just, again, the bad decisions. And, and, and that's, you know, Aaron Jones is so unbelievably good at understanding when to do that. I think that last game when Dylan, was it the last game or two games ago? I think it was against Tennessee. He started seeing Aaron Jones make those kinds of bad decisions, bouncing it when he had somebody there and not bouncing it when he should have. Um, sometimes just the hole is where it's supposed to be and he still doesn't see it or take it or whatever. I don't know. It was, it was kind of weird to see him kind of blank like that. But those are kind of the the factors that that I'm seeing more or less. And I tend to think what we saw this past week of Dylan is is very possibly going to have I mean, I would say AJ Dylan is what similar to what Aaron Rodgers is going through. Aaron Rodgers doesn't trust the offensive line, he doesn't trust his wide receivers, and so he kind of panics in the pocket. I think Dylan has the same syndrome. He just doesn't trust his blockers. But as you continue to play and as the offensive line continues to play better. You're not going to kind of see a mess and just assume, yeah, they're not going to be able to bust that open. You're going to start to trust that these guys can do what they're supposed to do. And once you start trusting them, even if once in a while you, you trust them and there's nothing there, so what? Follow your blockers. That's, that's going to be your best bet most of the time. And if nothing's there, nothing's there. But there's nothing worse than, than the blocks, blockers doing what they're supposed to do and creating an alley for you, and you're off on your own ad-libbing because you saw green grass and you end up getting tagged. I mean, that's the most frustrating thing in the world. Sewell Douglas. Maybe I'm overreacting here, and I understand <clears throat> that players have flashes of greatness and that they cannot obviously recreate that on a week-to-week basis. But I've heard a lot from you and fellow podcasters that he's really, really starting to get cooked uh, regularly. Um, don't know your opinion on that, if you think it was just a uh, just a fad. And the third player... Well, I mean, Razul, as I said, Razul was never really a good football player. And even last year, it was it was a lot of what he did was the interceptions. That was a big part of it. And honestly, he, he has two interceptions already. His highest prior to last year was three. The two years prior to, to 2021, when he had five interceptions, he had zero in 2020 and zero in 2019. He already has two, which is the most he had in 2017. So his, his picks are two, three, zero, zero, five, two. He's still getting more than usual. No, the, the reality is he, he's right now having as good or better of a season as he's ever had. This is his third best season. He's been playing since 2017. This is Razul Douglas. Now, he's on track to also give up more touchdowns than he ever has, which is not great. Most he's given up is four. He's done that twice. He's already given up four, two of which just came this past week. I mean, he he went, uh, 
seven weeks without a without a touchdown given up, and he's given up four since. He went ten weeks only giving up one touchdown. He's given up three the last two weeks is another way to put that. So I wouldn't first of all overreact to the the the, the really bad game against Philly. Again, I think that the defense is giving up. Jair is playing worse than we've ever seen him. Razul is playing worse than we've ever seen him. But at the same time, if we if we leave alone just those two touchdowns and the fact that he's getting beat, Razul is not an elite football player. He never has been. His, his grades his entire career, 64, 72, 52, 60, 74, which was 2021, and 68. Coverage grades, 67, 69, 50, 60, 77, 69. I mean, his coverage grade right now is on par. I mean, it's what it was in 2017 and 18. So he's high on penalties, he's high on touchdowns, but he's also high on interceptions, he's high on pass breakups. I mean, he's on track for, you know, second highest season in interceptions, up there with one of his higher pass breakup seasons. It's just, it's it's a lot of boom and bust with him, but but he's never been a premier corner. And, and again, I, I just expect it to continue to look worse than it is. So, so the point is, we were too high on Razul Douglas, and we're about to be too low on Razul Douglas. We were too high on him because the five interception thing was always fake. But now we're going to be too low on him, just like we're going to be. And this is my issue in general with people saying we maybe we overestimated our roster. They're not actually that good. And every week we're going to think they're worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. And in reality, they're not. Whatever they were to start the season, that's what they are. Right? And they were a pretty good defense. They're going to continue to get worse because they've given up. Now, maybe they get a spark because they're going to play the Bears, and who knows? I don't know, but they, they've given up. That's my assessment of the situation. So I think Razul is a mediocre to decent corner. That's just what he is. He's not a premier corner. He never was. That includes 2021, although his big thing was he had five picks, which was huge and in, and in critical situations, and that's great. He did a great job for us. But getting picks doesn't make you a great corner. That's always been a fleeting thing. You're never going to be able to duplicate that. So take away the picks. What are you? That's what Razul Douglas is. Darnell Savage. Honestly, man, uh, really don't know what's happened um, to make him go from future star with a lot of potential to potentially, you know, probably the first man that everybody here is looking to get out the door behind Amari. Um, I, I heard he was looking, he looked decent when he filled in at, uh, I think it was maybe slot corner that one game, but I haven't heard much uh, follow-up on that. But yeah, man, so uh, just a quick one. Really wanted to just get your opinion on those three players um, and see what you have to see what you have to say about it. Uh, but yeah, thanks, buddy. Have a good night, and uh, go Pat, go. The real frustrating thing about Darnell Savage is I, I really wonder what would have happened if we kept Mike Pettin around. Darnell Savage and his, his, his best two years were his first two years under Mike Pettin. He's since Joe Barry's gotten here, he's been worse than he was as a rookie under Mike Pettin. He had a 65 overall grade and a and that jumped up to a 72 in his sophomore year. And then Joe Barry comes in, and from what we understand, it's a much more complicated scheme for safeties. It's much harder. That drops to a 57, and this year a 46. And again, that compounds. So not only is it a bad system for Darnell Savage but you've got the defense falling off a cliff in general, plus Darnell Savage kind of giving up just like everybody else did. He really fell off a cliff starting in week eight against Buffalo, and he hasn't recovered since. That's when things really started to fall off a cliff. But I want to focus on something else too, because 65 and 72 isn't all that impressive, but a lot of that has to do with his run defense. He came into the league as a rookie with a 76.3 coverage grade. 
three touchdowns given up, two picks, and two pass breakups. The next year, 73.6 coverage grade, one touchdown given up, four interceptions, and seven pass breakups. That's what Darnell Savage did. I'll tell you what, we need to get rid of Joe Barry immediately. Darnell Savage is going to be on his fifth-year option. I don't think he's even tradable, and even if he is, I want to play him out on that fifth year. We are in such dire straits at safety. And again, he was good. He was a good safety. I mean, a lot of people think he was trash as a rookie, and then he kind of turned it around in, in 2020. He wasn't that, he was, he was fine. I mean, it was, run defense was a 37. Tackling was a 51. Uh, pass rush, which nobody cares, was a 49. Although that's gotten better. I mean, the next year was an 84. The next year is 70. And then at, that drops to a 72 and a 62. But again, even that. Under Mike Pettin, his second year jump, an 85 pass rush grade. In his first two years under Mike Pettin, three, uh, four touchdowns given up, but he had six interceptions and nine pass breakups. Since then, eight touchdowns given up. He's gone from four to eight, and the season's not over yet. Um, interceptions, two. Two last year, zero. So he went from six to two. And then pass breakups, nine and nine. So it's the pass breakups are even right now. If you look at passer rating, 91 is a rookie that dropped to 63 passer rating. Joe Barry comes in, it leaps to 116.6. This year, 125.6. I understand everybody in, in this sort of living in the moment thing really hates Darnell Savage and wants him out the door. I think he's has the potential to be a good football player. I think he was doomed as soon as Joe Barry walked in the door. I just think he's not built for this. And, and maybe he just needs to be in a specific scheme or system. I don't really know. But whatever this is, it's not working. And by the way, for everybody that wants Darnell out the door, it's not working for him. It's not working for Razul. It's not working for Jair. It's not working for Kenny. It's not working for anybody. All of our stars are falling off. Why don't we want Kenny cut? Why don't we want Jair cut? Well, because they're the stars and because we believe in them. So why are we giving up on Savage? It, it just seems like everybody turned on the guy because he was so bad, and the assumption is, well, just he was never good. I don't think that's true. I mean, he was never elite, but he never had a chance. And because his jump was a 72 compared to Jair's, like, 92, we, 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 throw, Jair, we throw Savage under the bus and Jair just gets a pass. Listen, I, I think we need to pause our assessment of the defense, period. What are we going to do, just get rid of everybody? We've already acknowledged Joe Barry's the problem, so why do we want to get rid of everybody? Just screw it. Get rid of Preston. Get rid of Kenny. Get rid of Savage. Get rid of Amos. They're all trash. Are they? I thought Joe Barry was the problem. Why does it have to be both? I don't know. Why are we even getting rid of Joe Barry if the players are the problem? Let's pause our assessment of the defense. That's all I'm saying. Adrian Amos has been like a top 10 safety his entire career. He has just completely fallen off a cliff. And no, I don't think it's just because of his age. What is he, 29? Joe Barry... Is, is not getting anything out of these guys, and now they've completely given up. And it's just going to keep getting worse. And if we keep changing our assessment of our players because they keep giving up more and, and, and playing worse, we're, we're just doing this all wrong. I'm not saying I know Savage is good. I'm saying that he was a much better player under Pettin. He can't play under Joe Barry. And listen, if we bring in a similar scheme, maybe Savage just isn't cut out for this. It's entirely possible. But I also think it's entirely possible we say he's, all, he's, he's crap, so we trade him. He goes to a team that's much more suitable for his skill set. He goes to be a top 10 safety somewhere. And then what? Oh, shucks. Yeah, I, should, I, I, I guess that makes sense. It's uh, because remember when Joe Barry was bad? Oh, yeah, I didn't think of that. <laughs> Come on, man. It's, just, it's staring us in the face. Yes, Savage is bad. He, he shouldn't be on the field. I get all that. But the entire defense is bad. 
we're, we're, we're supposed, if we don't get a new defensive coordinator, then I've given up hope for the defense in general. And the defense has given up hope. They're, they're, they're going to show up week one and just be like, screw this. This is stupid. I don't want to play. Which is a player problem, but that's not a pr- player problem we can fix. What we can fix is getting rid of the defensive coordinator so that we can kind of get some better effort next year. Hopefully put guys in a position to succeed. And then Darnell Savage has a built-in one-year prove-it deal. It's called his fifth-year option. Hey, Ryan, I'm uh, getting caught up on podcasts. I'm a little behind. Me I haven't too. been listening, but... Um, so you might be already be done talking about the Eagles pack game, moving on to the Bears. Um, but I uh, I was up at the Packer-Eagles game, and, you know, I we lost, but that it was a great game to go to. I mean, it was a lot. It was a very exciting game. You know, we... We fought the whole game. I mean, obviously the defense. When when the game ended, you know, I was there. I wasn't seeing stats or anything, but I was thinking. Um, I was like, the Eagles had to have ran for over 400 yards, like, and that's what. That's what I said. I said they're going to run. I said Jalen Hurts is going to run all over us. That's what happened. Um, but you know, as bummed as I was that like Rogers ended up getting hurt, I was I was very excited to see Jordan Love and that touchdown to Christian Watson was great. I mean. You know, he just hit the open guy over the middle, and Christian Watson so fast, he made a play. That's the stuff Rodgers probably wouldn't have done. Rodgers wouldn't have thrown it to Watson there. He would have thrown it to Sammy Watkins or whoever was going up the right sideline in double coverage. That's who Rodgers would have thrown it to, I think. Um, I just think he thinks he's too smart now, which I know everybody's kind of touched on. But um, Bummed to hear that Rodgers is going to play this upcoming week, but I think once we get mathematically eliminated, love will be in. That's what I'm hoping for. Um Excited to see him, you know. Obviously, no guarantee he'll be great, but hoping that he, hoping that he can be good. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, it's a great game, and you know, it's a good game to go to. So I'm glad they didn't uh, lay an egg since I was up there. Um, so yeah, talk to you later. Yeah, um, well, I'm glad you had a good time. Um, it certainly seems like it would have been a good game to go to. I mean, if, you, if you're going to watch your team lose. Um, you at least want it to be an exciting game where your team scores a bunch of touchdowns. I mean, some people are all big on that. I want to see a defensive battle. I mean, I guess that's kind of cool, but I want to see like good things happen and good things don't really happen in a defensive battle. You know, there's tackling, (laughs) like you allowed two yards on a, on a third and four. Whoa, dang. That was a great play. No, I mean, it was a tackle, but I mean, it's exciting, but it's not exactly a 40 yard touchdown pass to Christian Watson. But, you know, to each their own, I guess. Um, yeah, and I've kind of covered the, the Rodgers thing already. I'm, I'm, I'm of the mind that Jordan Love should be playing in this game. And again, the idea that, well, no, we shouldn't be giving up. It's the Bears. Who's giving up? I didn't say lose. I didn't say give up on the season. I said Jordan Love should play and Jordan Love should go win. That's what I said. But again, th- there's, there's no, no real justifiable reason in my mind for Rodgers to be playing. Um, you know, part of the, the thing that bothers me, and it occurred to me yesterday, is what we're doing is, is what's best for Rodgers, not what's best for the team. And there's a large portion of the fan base that wants to do what's best for Rodgers. Oh, come on, he's, he's not going to be playing much longer. He deserves this. He's earned this. Excuse me. This, this is what we're all talking about when we say he's gotten too big. When suddenly decisions are being made that have to do with what's best for you as opposed to the team, that's a serious... Is there one other player we'd do that for? Is there anybody else on this team that we would do that for? I don't think so. Although, to be fair, you could make the same case about David Bakhtiari and Zach Tom. Should they shut down David Bakhtiari? Why are we beating him up? The guy's clearly not doing well. 
He's got serious issues. Let's let him heal up and see how he comes back next year. Let's let Zach Tom finish this thing out. I think the, the only real concern with that, and I guess you could technically say it about the quarterback position too, but my personal concern would be depth at offensive line. Are you kind of setting yourself? I mean, if you put a guy in IR that doesn't need to be on IR, um, and then somebody else gets hurt, now, now you're kind of just in a pretty serious pinch. Although, what, what's, what's the worst case then? Uh, Sean Ryan has to come out and play? Aw, shucks. You know, Elton Jenkins goes out and Sean Ryan, like we want to see him anyways, right? So, I don't know, whatever. Anyways, uh, Garrett, what's going on? Hey, Ryan, it's Garrett. Hey, I uh, wanted to actually follow up with a couple of comments that was from last uh, evening's Packernet after dark. Uh, Jersey Mike, I echo his sentiment. Um, dealing with the public, there are, my opinion, there are two different kind of smarts. There is book smart and there's street smart. I kind of feel like I fall into the category of street smart because I grew up on a farm out in the country. And as uh, a very young kid, a lot of responsibility was thrust upon me. So I learned to do a lot of different things. And uh, along the way, you you gain wisdom through, you know, mistakes that you make and you're, you're allowed to learn as you go. People who are book smart, I feel are sheltered. Um, I do give them props for maybe the the studies that they throw themselves into, but I see too many times where they can't uh, put a bolt and a nut together to save their life, uh, but they can solve a calculus problem. So there are people like that that have their own uh, jobs that do maybe make a difference in our lives that we don't see, but... Uh, I just kind of prefer to hang out with the people who are street smart that I know that can tie their shoes and walk a straight line and <clears throat> put something together if, if need be. So I like those kind of players, and I kind of feel like Rogers kind of falls into the book smart kind of category, the the hippie uh, beliefs and all that kind of stuff just doesn't uh, really fit my lifestyle at all, but uh, I respect him as a player and his ability. It is interesting how the, the, the smarter you get, the dumber you get, isn't it? Like the more academic you get, the more just absurd you become. <laughs> you ever notice that? Like there gets to be a point where it's like, you're, you're so smart, you're becoming a complete idiot. I don't know. It seems like that happens a lot. So I kind of like to see more of the team get back to the blue collar roots and smash mouth kind of style. And uh, I'm not quite sure LeFleur fits that, but maybe... Uh, you know, the team will involve into that. So we'll see. Other than that, uh, I guess my other comment would be. By the way, there is a third category of neither, which I would fall into. So uh, not a very learned person. I hated school with a passion. And um, I mean, I could figure out the bolt and nut thing. And um, but that's I mean, when stuff breaks in the house, it's like, I don't know, dude, call somebody. I have, I have no idea. Going into Chicago, I think, uh, my opinion, I would like to see Love go in with full game, with the preparation of the whole week, knowing he's going to be the starter, and see what happens. As much I don't want to deny Rodgers his last I own you in Chicago moments, but uh, I don't know. I, I just want to see a, a quarterback that's 100% that gives us perhaps a better chance to win, especially with our run uh, running game. So 
we'll see. Have a good one, Ryan. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I don't, I don't know that love gives us a better chance necessarily, but I don't know that he doesn't, which is the point I've been making. I, I, I think you, you play love because it's the right thing to do. Um, regardless of whether or not he's better for the team. However, again, I don't know that he's not better. I mean, it, honestly, if, if it was any other team but the Bears, <laughs> it, it would move the needle much more toward the Jordan Love might be slightly better at this point, depending on how his thumb's doing and how his torso's doing, whatever even is going on. Anyways, why don't we take a break here? Patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. Please check out Fertile Ground Ranch Discipleship Ministry.org. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Hey, Ryan, speaking of uh, street smart, maybe you should take advantage of your caller's, uh, you know, abilities and talents and give your wife, Joe, the janitor's phone number and keep it on speed dial. And when she has a toilet problem, let her call him and she can uh, have him talk her through it. And that way you can sleep in. And I would call that a, a win-win. Have a good one. I don't think I can touch that other than to say I was really worried where that was going. <laughs> hey, maybe you should give your wife's number to Joe the janitor. Maybe they'd uh, maybe they'd get along. You never know. Blocking your number, Garrett. Uh, but yeah, I'll uh, I'll just I'll leave that alone for you know the sake of Joe. Hey, it's Jersey Mike. Hey, uh, man I'm driving hour. my way home from work, and uh, a little thought popped into my head. All right. So I, I called the other day talking about how we need uh, the coordinator who, who gets his team riled up. I, I got a question. Um, in the NFL, is it possible for, like, teams to make up, like, like coaching jobs or, or whatever? Because I swear, Matt LaFleur or Brian Gutekunst or somebody needs to come up with a position and just name it Hype Man, right? I mean, if you want to focus on, you know, having having the scheme right and everything, we want to have guys like Joe Barry and whatnot be coaches, okay, that, that that's fine. But we got to find somebody to get this team riled up. So, so this is my official offering, uh, you know, myself a, a job here. Right. If the Green Bay Packers want to call me up and be like, hey, we will get you tickets to every game, you know, and you're going to stand on the sidelines and scream at people so they get their, their, their stuff together and, and whatnot. I, I'm down for it. But but seriously, like I've seen no teams have this, but is there is there some kind of option for teams to create their own coaching positions for a guy for like 
$10,000 a year, right? Because they'd obviously have to count against the salary cap. But, uh, yeah, it's just a thought. Like, like that, that's got to be a thing, can it? Can it be? Uh, yeah, your thoughts? Maybe, maybe you have some insight? Thanks. Yeah, it actually it doesn't count against the cap. They they pretty much, as far as I know, have unlimited spending and can do whatever they want as far as their coaching staff. And I actually had proposed this. I said, why don't you just create a offensive and defensive assistant position and bring in guys specifically that are meant for that purpose? You know, Deion Sanders got his his new coaching job or whatever. That's that's Dion, right? He's a hype guy. I mean, bring bring in like a a, a Ray Lewis. I mean, I don't know if you actually want Ray Lewis, but, you know, somebody like that. Well, I was going to say Warren Sapp. I don't know if you want him either. Try to find somebody that, that isn't necessarily, well, maybe, maybe you do want a criminal. I don't know. Maybe that would be best. I don't know. The point is, find somebody. And I don't think 10000 is going to get it done. But again, none of these players want to be coaches because of the amount of work that goes into it. But that they still love the game. So this gives them an opportunity to come back to be a coach, but again, I don't expect jack squat from you, right? I expect you to be in the locker room. I expect you to be in the meetings. I expect you to be in the weight room, right? I expect you to, to eat lunch with the guys. You, when we're pulling all-nighters, you go home. You go home with your family. You know, maybe we can find an ex-player that's just hanging out. Problem is, so many Packer players are so timid. You know what I mean? Like, they're just nice guys. Like, no offense, I wouldn't want Leroy Butler doing it. I mean, you know, even Charles Woodson, maybe. I, I know, I know, and Woodson wouldn't do it. He's, he's got so much money and he's out, you know, he's not coming back to Green Bay, Wisconsin. But I just, I can't think of any Packers that have like that thing that are like, that dude's, that dude's freaking crazy. Like he's, he's, he's legit crazy. Like AJ Hawk, he's so quiet. He seems like shy. Like, I don't want that dude coming back and trying to hype up the team. Gilbert Brown just seems like a good dude. Leroy Butler's just a good dude. Even Charles Woodson, he's kind of like a quiet guy. Like, I'm sure he'd get people jacked up or whatever, but who who would be the the best Packers ver? I mean, do we have to go back to see, you know, who's who's still around from the Lombardi days to be able to get this done? Obviously, Reggie White passed away. I don't think Clay would be good for it. You know, KGB is uh, probably, is he, you know, we'll leave that alone. He's got his stuff. I don't know. That would be a good question. Who who would that be? I mean, granted, it could just be a coach. I don't know. Find somebody that that's maybe not the greatest coach, but they they've got that attitude and that mentality. But I just feel like a former player would be great. I just I don't know who that would be. But there are a lot of players that I think want to get back into it. They just don't want to deal with all the coaching stuff. This would be a great way to to kind of get your foot in the door, I guess. Hey Ryan, Steve up in Alaska. How are we doing? Good man. Um, just taking a little break. I'm out doing yard work. You know, got. To- Got to keep on splitting the wood and Get it. keeping the firewood going. So. Got it. I needed a break, and I figured as I was done listening to the show you recorded what would have been yesterday, so Thursday for you, Thursday night. But anyways, um, figured I'd call in and say what's up and speak a piece of my mind. Um, by the way, glad to hear that you, you got your, your flood stuff dealt with. That, yeah. that always sucks. I'm not not to one up, but the the worst flooding I've ever had to deal with, I was – running a camp facility for a construction crew out on the Yukon River. And come the spring, the uh, ice dammed up the river and the river backed up. And where they put our camp was right next to the sewage lagoon in oh, no. the village. So we were at the low spot. So once all that water backed up and filled the sewage lagoon, it then commenced to flooding our campsite. Oh, and uh, so you get an idea of how deep it got. I'm six foot tall. And as I waded through the water on my tippy toes, 
it was coming up just to my armpits. It was how deep the water Jeez. was. So, yeah, flooding sucks, and there was a whole lot of cleanup then because, you know, sewage lagoon. We uh, we definitely had a lot of nasty and everything. But um, to get back to the team, the uh, the question I got for you, um, let's let's just kind of wash everything clean for this season. Let's you know take some some assumptions. We'll we'll say either we have Aaron Rodgers and he's back to playing the way he was before, or we have Jordan Love, um, hoping he gets to play at least the last four games of the season and prove he can play showing that he can play. So we got our quarterback taken care of. We have running backs because we end up bringing back Aaron Jones, and we got Dylan. Um, we got wide receivers because it looks like uh, Christian Watson and, and Dobbs can play. Um, we'll, we'll see who else kind of shows up. We'll have another, you know, we'll have whatever we have still available. But we got those two guys for sure. Um, Gary comes back. Uh, maybe Kenny Clark starts to play the way he's supposed to. We uh, – we got, you know, a couple of linebackers that seem to be holding their own, assuming that um, uh, Walker is better next year. Um, you know, rookie years are always hard for guys. Uh, you know, we got cornerbacks, um, assuming that, you know, Jair can get himself back together. What position, you know, assuming we still suck and our season goes to the tank and we get a high draft pick, what position – do you think is the best possible one for us to go through in terms of the players available in the high picks and in terms of what we will need for the team? Um, I, I personally. Well, you got cut off at the three minute mark. Uh, we'll pick up the rest of it, but that's a good break spot uh, spot. Anyways. Um, Again, I, I, I lean safety, but there aren't a, it's not a real good safety class so far from where uh, the consensus folks are at. Um, if we're just talking about our first pick, and let's say we get a, a top 10, top 12, 13-ish pick, you know, again, here, here's kind of what we're looking at. Um, assuming we're not going quarterback, we've got edge rushers. We've got a couple of them. Will Anderson, you got Miles Murphy, right? Those are kind of the two guys. Potentially, you're looking at Isaiah Foskey, but I, I have no idea. I, I don't. That's pretty far down the list, and for all I know, he's going to be a third round pick by the time this process is done. I haven't heard his name at all. Um, but those are the two guys. I have no issue going edge rusher, getting a third premier edge. As much as we rotate guys, um, you know, the the term you can never have enough pass rushers is a term that I despise. But you certainly could have three; would be fine. Uh, even even four really good pass rushers. I think beyond that, you're really diminishing returns. Um, defensive tackle, and I know we've already taken swings at this, but you know we we've already taken swings at wide receiver too, and I'm I'm content with the returns. But you know you need a lot of defensive tackles. I'm not giving up on Devonte Wyatt, but even if Devonte Wyatt hits, we're going to need more than that, especially with Kenny Clark not playing now. I mean, there's nothing wrong with having three really good defensive linemen. I don't know if we have one. So um, that's a big one. Jalen Carter is a big one. Obviously, now you've got multiple Georgia defensive linemen and all that stuff. Uh, Brian Breezy, however you say his name, also from Clemson. Uh, you had Miles Murphy, who was a Clemson guy. Those are the the two main options there along the defensive front. I mean, we're, we obviously have serious issues in run defense, right? I mean, that's sort of the biggest issue, even even though everything else is kind of a, a problem. Plus, listen, if, if you want to play... 
coverage and you want to emphasize coverage, which I don't understand why you would do that. You have all these corners. Why wouldn't you emphasize stopping the run and let the corners be the corners? I don't I don't understand the, the idea of let's neglect the run-stopping ability and then also not practice stopping the run or whatever. But the point is, you build up the defensive line so that you don't really have to worry about the guys up front is, is how I think that's supposed to work. Um, so that would probably be where I'm leaning. Um, Jalen Carter will probably be gone before we pick, but that would be a good one. Otherwise, again, Mr. Uh, Breezy or Tyree Wilson. Ty- again, Tyree Wilson, I haven't really watched uh, Brian, the, the Clemson guy. Tyree Wilson seems like he has some real top-end ability. Um I would almost borderline put him in the Rashawn Gary category. I have no idea what his athleticism is like, but just from a standpoint of watching him and going, mm, I don't really get it, except there's the flashes that are like, holy crap. There was one play in particular where he kind of, you know, he got around the edge a little bit and he grabbed the quarterback. This is, it was a, if you've been around a while, you remember there was a, I don't even remember the guy's name anymore, uh, a Roquan, right? R- Raquan? Roquan. I think it's Roquan. Davis? I don't remember. But um, he had what I termed bear paws, which is just so much power in your body and especially in your hands. This dude could get a hand on a quarterback, he'd bring him down. There was a play where he got around the edge and he just got one hand on the quarterback and he ripped him down like he was nothing. And those are the types of things where you look at and go, what was that? <laughs> you know, that's, those aren't things that guys usually can do. I mean, yeah, yeah you, you've seen pass rushers bring down quarterbacks kind of with one hand, but this was... This was so effortless. It, it looked almost like a superhero kind of thing. So there's something there. Um, I don't necessarily see premier pass rusher and being in Texas Tech for some reason just kind of makes me nervous. But um, that would probably be the best way to go. Um, I, I'm not opposed to a guy like Skaronsky and, and building up the offensive line, but there's a lot of question marks, and I don't know that the question marks are necessarily negative. Right? We have a lot of question marks along the defensive line, and I don't know if we have ever anybody. We have David Bakhtiari, we have Zach Tom, we have Elton Jenkins, we have Josh Myers, we have John Runyon, we have Yash Nyman. Certainly we could upgrade a few of these pieces, but which ones are we, I mean, what are we actually going to do? I mean, how much of an upgrade is Peter Skaronsky going to be over Yash Nyman? Is he even going to be an upgrade as a rookie? So we're going to use a first round pick and, and, you know, again, I understand you build for the future and all that and Bakhtiari is not going to be around forever and Yash is upgradable and... Elton, I mean, but what if Elton can play tackle and then then you got Zach Tom and Elton Jenkins and now you're four? You know, I I just defensive line, defensive line. That that's is again as far as the early picks go. You're talking early second round picks. Now you can maybe start talking about safeties again. We're kind of far out. I don't really know. Uh, even now, I, I don't even see any on this list. Where are all the safeties at? Um, Antonio Johnson, Texas A&M, Brian Branch, these are late first-round pick projections, so might not even be available by the time the second round rolls around. And then you've got Brandon Joseph out of Notre Dame at 51 and Jordan Battle, who dropped all the way to 53. I really thought Jordan Battle was going to be a top-ten pick. I don't know what happened to him this year. Um, when I did my whole spreadsheet with all the projections of where everybody's going to go, Jordan Battle was was a premier, premier guy. He must just be having a terrible year or something. I don't know what's going on with him. Be kind of cool to get Jordan Battle and maybe get him in the third round. I don't know. Anyways, let's pick up the uh, second half of the question here. Man, time goes by fast when you're running on. But um, so I was going to say to finish up, I'm I'm always for getting the big guys in the middle. If if we can get a you know a top ten draft pick who's a an offensive lineman, I mean Bakhtiari's getting old. 
Um, we can get uh, another uh, tackle, you know, defensive tackle. I know we picked up one last year, but, you know, if Clark doesn't come around and the other kid out of Georgia doesn't get his self figured out, we can always get that. Um, so I'm always for that, that, that big guy because those are the hardest positions to get. You can't teach size and you can't, I mean, you can work on strength, but some guys are just naturally strong. Um, so that's where I look is for the, the big guys in the middle. If assuming everything else that we have that I said earlier in the last call is what it is. Um, but I'd just like to hear what you guys think about that. Um, other than that, go pack, you know, we'll talk to y'all guys later. Have a good one. Bye. Yeah, the only other thing I'll say, and, and I think you're right, especially for a team that's struggling with with their um, toughness identity, you got to be able to win in the trenches. And, and I think that's true of football in general. And I think we're getting away from that. You know, we're, we're getting too smart. We're getting about you know, it's all about coverage. It's all about this. I understand that, but um, you know, if you're just getting punched in the mouth and you can't stop the, it's so demoralizing to not be able to stop the run. And I think even even the DBs are, are demoralized by this. Um. It, 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 to some degree, football will always be this throwback, old-school, smash-mouth sport. You know, e- Even as we get into more passing and spreading out and all that kind of stuff, there, there's always going to be an element of, of that being a part of your DNA. And the further you get away from it, I think you're just going to struggle. And so there is somewhat of a balance, and, and the Packers need to get better at that. Uh, I think they're doing a, a, a better job up front offensively. They need to do a much better job up front defensively. You control the line of scrimmage on defense, you demoralize your opponent, and then the guys on the back end have a much easier job. So I think that's what we need. We, we need to get tougher uh, in the trenches, especially on defense. Hey, Pac Daddy. Listening uh, to you rant about, Jay, uh, what you call it, uh, stupid, stupid little Justin Fields over there. <laughs> hey, you know, hey, hey, excuse me. You can't call people stupid. Have you no shame, sir? I am calling the police. Back and not a quarterback. I, I, I'm in absolute agreement. So let me let me just preface this by saying these are the quarterbacks that I believe are similar to Justin Fields. Colin Kaepernick. Lamar Jackson. Th- th- those are the kinds of quarterbacks. Yeah. Guys who big arms can throw a deep ball, but... When it comes down to it, if you close up all their running lanes, they can't pass the football, right? Chicago Bears fans are imagining in their la-la make-believe land that Justin Fields is Jalen Hurts. Yeah. Now, I want to say this because I, I called this to all of my, fan, uh, my friends, my fantasy football group. Nobody wanted to believe me. I said, Eagles are the best team in the league. At the beginning of the season, and there's one reason and one reason only. They have the best quarterback in the NFL. And the reason I say that is because Jalen Hurts, while being able to run like a running back, also has the arm of an amazing elite quarterback. And so when Jalen Hurts is stuck in the pocket, Jalen Hurts can move the football, right? But he has that added bonus of, Hey, you can also run it like, like one of the best out, out of the, out of the, the pocket. So, so that is not Justin Fields. They want Jalen Hurts and they just have to get over it. They missed on him. And, and quite frankly, we kind of missed on him too. Why did we take Jordan Love of Jalen Hurts? Huh? Yeah. I'm, I'm sad about that one. I really like Jalen Hurts. 
Uh, but yeah, that that that's my opinion on that. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll I I want to try to speed up here, um, but let's just look at a couple things. First of all, again, Jalen Hurts is quick, but it he's not. Justin Fields is in a different category than Jalen Hurts. We 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 put Jalen Hurts in this box of being a a mobile quarterback. He is mobile, but there's there there's like Patrick Mahomes mobile, and then there's Lamar Jackson mobile. Jalen Hurts is Patrick Mahomes mobile. Uh, Justin Fields is Lamar Jackson mobile. It's it's a different thing. So it's it's Justin's better, but also he's by being more of a threat. I think it draws you closer to wanting to go in that direction more often. Um, I want to look at a couple things here as far as, well, two things, because again, I want to speed this up. If you look at 40 times, and I'm just sorting by, you know, by 40 time, and there's a lot of guys that are not on this list, maybe they didn't run at the combine, whatever, doesn't really matter. Robert Griffin III is the fastest running at 4.33, then Justin Fields at 4.45. You got to scroll down quite a bit to get to Jalen Hurts. He runs a four. You know who else ran a four five nine? Andrew Luck, slightly slower. Blaine Gabbert at four six one. Felipe Franks, Easton Sticks, Christian Ponder. This is the speed where he's at. Justin Fields is in the, you know, <laughs> he's just in a different category. And, but more importantly, like you said, let's look at the passing grades of the mobile quarterbacks, the quote unquote mobile quarterbacks. Tua has a 91.2, Pat Mahomes 88.7, Joe Burrow 85, Jalen Hurts 80, currently 83.6, fourth highest passing grade, Josh Allen 82.8. Uh, I don't know, is Geno a mobile quarterback? I'm sure people are going to say he is because let's be honest, he's black, so everybody, that's just what people assume. Let's stop being stupid about it. That's why Jalen Hurts is seen as a mobile quarterback. Not everybody that's black is a mobile quarterback, and not everybody that's white is a pocket passer. Josh Allen is one of the best mobile quarterbacks in football. Let's just call it what it is, dancing around the issue here. But Geno, 81.2. Here's the point, though. These guys are, that, are, that I'm reading off are the really good quarterbacks. They're also the really good passing quarterbacks. Yeah, well, Lamar's a mobile quarterback, and he's, L- Lamar is a decent passing quarterback. That's the, that's the thing. He's a great runner, but... The success of the, the, the team has to do with his ability to throw the ball in addition to running. Let, let me just real quick on Lamar. He's had two years in which his rushing grade was in the 90s. This year and 2019. 2019, he was an MVP. Is he going to be MVP this year? In a year in which all the quarterbacks suck? Absolutely not. Lamar's not going to be MVP this year. He's a, but he's still a decent passer. So it works when you're an elite runner and a decent passer on top of having a great defense and a really stout run game. You can kind of make it work and limp it along. Although Baltimore is still, I mean, limping is a good way to put it. What about Trevor Lawrence? That dude is a seriously good mobile quarterback, but he's not a good passer. He ranks 20th. Mariota. Mariota is a, is a mobile quarterback. He ranks 22nd as a passer. That's why he's not doing well. Kyler Murray, very good mobile quarterback. He's struggling as a passer. When they went on their undefeated stretch, Kyler Murray was the best thrower in the entire NFL. This is why I say the the obsession with running is stupid. Mobile quarterbacks that can't throw suck, and the teams suck. If you're an elite passer, your team is going to be good, period. If you suck at passing, your team's going to suck, period. You go all the way to third from the bottom, and you have Justin Fields at a 52.2 passing grade. 91.3 rushing grade is the third highest behind Lamar Jackson and, yes, Josh Allen. 
In fact, there are five guys with really good passing grades, or excuse me, rushing grades. Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, Justin Fields, Jacoby Brissett, and Pat Mahomes. Are all those teams really, really good football te- on, on good football teams? No. Buffalo, Baltimore, Chicago, Cleveland, and Kansas City. The worst team in that group has the worst passer. The best teams in that group have the best passers, Pat Mahomes and Josh Allen. It's pretty straightforward. And then the two teams in between have the two in-between passers, Lamar and Jacoby Brissett. And there's, I mean, there's other factors. There's other players on the team. But I'm just saying, it's, it's pretty black and white. It's pretty straightforward. I understand the goal is to, but y- y- your goal isn't even, again, it's not to be Jalen Hurts. You don't want him to be Jalen Hurts because Jalen Hurts doesn't run like, jo- like uh, Justin Fields does. It's a different thing. Again, you might as well say you want him to be Pat Mahomes. It's the same thing. Pat Mahomes has the same rushing ability. Again, I understand the guy has dark skin. That doesn't mean he runs a 4-4-3. That's <laughs> it's funny that the subtle racism, I don't actually think it's racism because I don't think it's ill intent, but it's just funny how it's, we just all assume like, oh dude, he, he can run. Are you sure? People said that about like Kaiser too. Like he can, he can't run. Like he's, he's the slowest man on earth. No, he can run. No, he can't. You're just saying that because he has dark skin, dude. Chill out. He's, he's literally can't move. He's Tom Brady. Fine. Don't admit it. Don't admit it. It's fine. All right, this time I'm really going to be, be short here. Promise. Hey, few thoughts. Um, one is, you know, I, I do uh, love Aaron Rodgers' tough test for powering through these injuries. I feel like at some point him or someone has to, you know, look and say, like, oh, you're kind of playing like crap, you know, being injured. You're not, you know, it's not like you're playing through them and still doing well. And uh, at some point it's not being tough. And getting it out, it's being, to me, kind of is being selfish or not doing things in the best interest of the team. I think that's a combination of his fault and Michael Flores' fault for not telling him, no, you need to rest or maybe duty. Um, I will say, I, I can't fault a player for saying I want to play. I don't think I want a player that's going to take himself out. But I think the coaching staff needs to man up and, and just do it. You know, I mean, I, I, I shouldn't say Matt. I mean, I think it is his assessment that he should play. Maybe, maybe not. If, if it is true that they all acknowledge he shouldn't play, but they're just too scared, that's 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 insane. Um, I think it is, unfortunately, their assessment that he should play, which I don't necessarily agree with. Um, but whatever. I, I, I again, I can't fault Aaron Rodgers and and call him selfish for for wanting to play. I, I think as a player, your job is to play when you're called upon. And right now he's being called upon to play. And so his job is to play, not to be like, you know what? Nah, let's just let Jordan do it. No, you're, you're, this is the whole thing, right? You're a player. You don't get to decide these things. You shut your mouth and you play football. And that's what he's doing. He's shutting his mouth. He's sucking it up. He's battling through injuries and he's playing football. That's what we need from Rogers. But we need the guys in charge to make that decision. Secondly, um, you know, I love Aaron Rodgers. There's no doubt that when he's healthy or, like in the last two years, he was really good. Um, but I still feel like even when healthy, that doesn't change him not going through progressions and just fixating on one right. guy. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I do struggle with, I feel like that's still not maximizing the offense. You know, when we watch Jordan Love, although being a small sample, he was going through his progressions quickly, getting the ball out quickly. And I just felt like the offense, not saying the quarterback necessarily, you know, obviously Aaron Rodgers is more talented, but the offense looked like it was clicking so much better just 
just doing what the offense is designed to do. You know, Aaron Rodgers said at the beginning of the year, we need to simplify things. And I'm sitting here thinking, Aaron Rodgers, you need to simplify things. Watch, he needs to watch Jordan Love's tape and look how simple the offense can be and look how productive it was. Um, but this is all probably, uh, too late because, well, we've already lost a crap ton of games and virtually out of the playoffs. So, but that's where, that's where I'm at. Um, love to hear your feedback on that stuff. Talk to you later. I agree. Um, and 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 the the biggest thing is this isn't new for Aaron Rodgers. The only thing I don't know is how how prevalent this is for other quarterbacks, right? I, I accuse people of doing that a lot of, you know, blaming Gutekunst without having a perspective that this is normal. I haven't watched enough other quarterbacks to know how often this happens, but I do know that it happens way too often. I do know that the reason we we have Aaron Rodgers and the thing that we're supposed to be super excited about with having Aaron Rodgers is that. He's the kind of guy with his intellect where he he is not going to be doing those things. And to see Jordan Love and seemingly have Jordan Love come in and do better than he did in those situations. Um, and again, I do watch other quarterbacks when I watch our defense play, when I go back and watch the game. And what I see are quarterbacks who are so frustrating because they will stand in the pocket despite pressure and find the open guy and throw it to him. And that's what Rodgers doesn't seem to be able to do. And yeah, injury injury has nothing to do with that. I mean, we, we can, <clears throat> and, I, and I think... I think that gets used a little bit as a cop-out, not just for his bad season, but just in general. This is how Rodgers has been for a long time. Again, I did a, a Jordan Love, uh, a comparing Jordan Love to Aaron Rodgers video two years ago, and I was talking about the exact same issues with Aaron Rodgers, about how Jordan Love does these things well and Aaron Rodgers does not. Um, but it, it's it's the, the thumb thing is kind of used as a cop-out. Like, well, that's, that's kind of the issue with Rodgers, and once his thumb gets better, everything gets fixed. No, we're we're looking at a couple wobbly passes and and blaming the. I mean, to be honest, I don't know that very much has been the problem. Of now that I think about it, I mean, you look. Well, what about the interceptions? Well, it seems to me a lot of the interceptions, like the last one, have been the fault of the receivers. Maybe some of them were the fault of of Rogers just throwing a terrible pass. But I don't know that it was. It was. You, you don't see a lot of passes come out of his hand like wobbly. Like I, I saw some a couple weeks ago. That just didn't look like it had a ton of uh, zip on the ball. Like something just wasn't quite right. I think that was his thumb, but they still got completed. There weren't any times where I was like, oh, dang, that ball came out weird and it ended in a a pick and all that. I I think the issues have been partially the receivers and then a lot of it is just Rodgers doing Rodgers stuff. I, 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 so again, I I said I would be short, so I'll I'll leave it at that, but I, I agree. I think the, we're not fixing anything, even if his thumb gets better. We're not fixing the core issues of Rodgers getting antsy in the pocket, Rodgers not going through his progressions, um, those types of things. We're, 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 as you said, we're not maximizing the offense, and I think that's the truth. Rodgers says he doesn't want to be a guy that just shuts his brain off, and unfortunately, I think that's kind of what you got to be. Hey, Ryan, it's Seth. Uh, hey. Listen, then, back to packing it after dark. I'm like a day behind. Um, and JJ had pointed out, um, how quick, uh, he was, Jordan Love was getting the ball out on time. Yeah. And, uh, and you were commenting on that. And, and just a thought I had had when I, I was watching his highlights back just because I'm a Jordan Love fan. And, um, he just mechanically looks so good. And his feet, he is like, he'll be looking over to the left. 
because those are his first reads, but he can kind of see that it's not there, but he's still checking it. And if you look at his feet, they're locked and loaded to the right. Like he is, it's almost like his his legs are ahead of his eyes as he's reading the defense, which maybe that sounds weird, but it's just what it looks like to me. But I don't know. I haven't, honestly, I haven't watched other quarterbacks that close, but it's just something I noticed when I was watching him. Um, but ho- hopefully uh, that continues and is a sign of good things to come. Yeah, I'm not going to pretend to know much about quarterback mechanics. Um, I know a lot of people love to comment on that. His mechanics look good or this. That. I, I don't know enough to be able to, to say that. I, I will say, though, just as a as a fan, he looked good. Everything looked good. I mean, you, you, you can see sloppy, even if you can't necessarily describe it. Um, but just the fact that, um, like you said, in order to get the ball out quickly, you're, you're, everything needs to be in place where it's supposed to be. The timing needs to be where it's supposed to be. You look at the velocity on the ball, his ability to throw with velocity, even off his back foot. I mean, that's all, that's all mechanics, right? The ability to do those things. I mean, to throw accurately, to throw on time, to throw in rhythm, to throw quickly, uh, to throw with velocity, even at all different angles. These are all components of mechanics, even if I can't describe them. So he looked good and seemingly his mechanics were, were in the right place because things were going the right way. I mean, that's the end result of mechanics. I mean, we can nitpick mechanics, but at the end of the day, um, it's about throwing the ball well. And if he's doing that, then I'm going to assume the mechanics are good. And if, if, even if they're not, we're, we're nitpicking. Um, and if, and if, if things are bad, we can talk about how great the mechanics are all we want, but it's <laughs> something needs to be fixed. So I just, in general, I thought he looked good and that's kind of, uh, that's, that's what matters to me. And if people are telling me the mechanics look good, great. Hey, Ryan, Zach again from Minnesota. Hey. Hey, one point I forgot to make is that, um, with this team going forward, there's, there's going to be no quick fixes like there was in 2019. We don't have the money to spend on you, edge rusher when, if Rashawn Gary's out for the first couple of weeks or a safety to replace Savage and Amos or D-line help if Reed and Lowry end up leaving free agency or if we don't re-sign Tunyon. So there's there's no, going to be no room to spend for quick fixes. Also, that means we're relying on young guys to step up and develop. And usually your team relies on young guys. You're not very good. So I think that's just another reason to make next year a transition year and you could even sell it to Rogers that way because he already said he doesn't want to be a part of a rebuild and you can just tell him that hey next year obviously what we're doing isn't working um do you want to be a part we know we don't want to be a part of rebuild so we can send you off to um a place that is going to compete next year or you can tire but um I think going forward we're going to move in go with love I think you could spin it to him that way and he'd probably be okay with it. Um, and that might, and it might even push him more that way if you get rid of Scott and Bakhtiari and Jones and all the veteran players we have to help clear the books for a run in the future. All right. Thanks, Ryan. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think that that is the direction that we are, regardless, that's the direction we're headed, right? Whether it's next year or the year after, whatever. And I think that's the larger point for me. It's, you know, well, you know, Rogers is coming back next year. Okay, fine. He's coming back. Now. What about the year after that? Well, he'll, he might come back. The point is we've got maybe zero years, maybe one, maybe two. 
we we're just delaying the inevitable, and the inevitable is the future. I mean, it's it's inevitable for all of us, and um, focusing on the now, it it never really sits well with me to begin with, but focusing on the now when the now is broken, that just seems like the dumbest thing on earth. I don't understand that. Like <laughs> we're we're focusing on today and what makes us best today, knowing full well that today. We we are not even close to a playoff team. I I don't understand that. So yeah, I, th- I think I think everything needs to begin leaning on the future, and every every answer to every question will ultimately come down to what's best for the for the franchise moving forward. Not this year, not immediately next year. The future moving forward. If, if it has to do with what's best for 2023, I think that's the wrong answer. I mean, if, if it's best for 2023 and not necessarily 2024, it's the wrong answer. Anyways, I really wanted to get through all these, but we're running really long and we still have uh, like 20 minutes worth of calls on top of my commentary, 10 minutes worth of calls on top of the commentary. And, and we just, I got to get this, this podcast out. It's already coming on 930. So uh, you guys have yourselves a fantastic day. I will try to get through these calls, but I want to try to keep it focused on the game too. So please call in 608-501-0718. Call prior to, during, after the game. Let's get your thoughts on it. But uh, hope it's a good one. Go back out. Go back out.